So uh, we're singing that song. Come here, don't hide behind that TV. So most of y'all aware, this is my youngest son, Michael, and we were singing that song. Um, and uh, I just had a flashback when Michael was a kid. We were playing this little game that we played. He was a fellow. And in that game, it was like this one-up thing. You always try to say something that would one-up the other guy. And he was pretty good at it. And, and that's the day we were doing that and that I came up with this saying that after back and forth and back and forth, I said, I'm a blood-bought son of the Most High God. And he couldn't think of anything that topped it. And today, uh, I was thinking of that when I was looking at Michael as a grown man up here, understanding that there's something we have in common today. In our Father's house, there's a place for us because we're the blood-bought children of the Most High God. So he'll be mad at me for doing this. So you can go back there. <laughs> I have a, a challenge for the church before we um, get into the teaching part. Uh, for eight weeks now, we've been doing a Wednesday night roots class. I do a session in this big room here on Wednesday nights, and the topic this semester for the last eight weeks has been I am and I will, but I've been focusing on the I am. Jesus's seven statements of I am in the Gospel of John. I am. His identity and his purpose he reveals is I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. But starting Wednesday night, I'm going to change to the book of Revelation in the seven churches every time Jesus says, I will. So here's my challenge. Maybe you haven't been to a single roots class here on Wednesday night. You need to come to these next four. Because if you'll come to these next four, we're going to look at every time Jesus to the seven churches of Revelation. He says, I will. And there is great power in knowing what he is going to do. You can know the future. Now, some of the I wills are bad things, what he's going to do for those who reject him. But some of them are wonderful things that he's going to do for those who have received him, who are the blood-bought children of the Most High God. So my challenge is on Wednesday night for the next four weeks, four weeks, we got four more sessions in this semester. You'll come and you'll hear... Um, Jesus is, I will, because there's a bunch of them in the seven churches of Revelation. Uh, usually when you talk about Revelation, a lot of people get curious. So here we go. There's your chance to be curious and satisfied. So are you? And let's focus on this particular word. Are you safe today? It is my intention to focus on this very small, powerful four-letter word, safe. Are you? Do you feel safe here today? Is it safe for you to come into a large crowd, sing songs, let all that hot air come out of your mouth and spray over the people around you? <laughs> well, not when you put it like that. <laughs> Do you think it's safe to gather in a large group and worship Jesus Christ in a pandemic. You see, people have been asking this question for a year now. Would you have come today if you thought it was not safe? Do you think God, here, here's the real question. Do you think God offers safety to his followers? 
do you think that just if I'm a blood-bought child of the Most High God, do you think with that blood-bought child experience, he gives his children safety? Are you sure? Are you confident? Do we live in an unsafe world? Yes, 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 we do. In fact, let me just say this. Could anybody in this room two years ago imagined, imagined in your wildest dream that the world would be in a mask for a year? Everywhere you go, people in a mask. Looks like an old Western movie where somebody's about to get robbed <laughs> all the time. Is it safe for you to be here today singing songs of praise and worship of God? Is anywhere safe today? Is it safe for you to sit in this room full of people and listen to the Word of God, which you know and I know the world has already rejected as not true? Is that safe? Is it safe to be associated with the church that holds this up and says, I believe what I hold in my hand is the only physical source of absolute truth on this planet. Is it safe for you to be associated with somebody who says that? So let's seek the truth from God today about this word, four-letter, simple word called safe. So I want to begin with a promise of God. Now, he makes this promise to the blood-bought children of the Most High. And I hope that is us, all of us today. And it comes from God to Israel. And before I read it to you, I want to say something. Um, if you study anything about the Jewish culture, they have this thing called the Shema. And the Shema comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And in, in Deuteronomy 6... It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Singular, one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, what's interesting is Jesus quotes that in the Gospel of Mark. So in case you're wondering, well, that's just an Old Testament thing to the Jews. No, 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 no. Jesus is referring to it also as the, the greatest commandment is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So it's this foundation of the people of God, spiritual law truth. What? He's, there's one God. And our response to the one God is all our, all, all, all. You know what all means? All. Your heart, soul, mind, strength. So with that, that foundation, the Shema, Old Testament, New Testament, Gentile, Jew. It's the blood-bought children of the Most High God. Leviticus 25, 18. God to Israel says this, follow my decrees. So I want you to put in here, he's talking about the Shema. Okay, foundationally, it all begins with the acknowledgement there's one God, and we're to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, strength. Follow my decrees, be careful to obey my laws, and you will live safely in the land. And then the land will yield its fruit, and you'll eat your fill, and you'll, you'll live in that land in safety, 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 safety. The offer of safety was connected to the words follow. The offer of safety was connected to the word obey. Follow me, obey me, and you'll have safety. 
I say it again. We live in an unsafe world. And God offers safety to his people who follow and obey. Follow and obey. The words are in there for a reason. If you follow, if you obey, I offer you this protection because you are my blood-bought children. It is an unsafe world. We have people in the church right now fighting cancer. Is that safe? We have people driving cars in and out. Car wrecks are happening all over the country today. Driving a car. You get in a car, get behind the wheel, push on the gas. People have wrecks. People die. Is it safe? We're in the time of the year in Kentucky that tornadoes come. Is that safe? But if you melt it all down, you need to come to this simple conclusion about life. People are dying from death every day. They are. People are dying from death every single day. But why? Why does God, in his letter to his people, Israel, why does he conditionalize, follow my decrees, obey my laws, and you'll live safely? Why the words follow and obey? Why? Why? Because they both mean you'll stay with me. You'll stay next to me. You'll be right up near me. And if you're right up near me, they'll always be safe near me. It'll never be safe away from me. You got to get up close to me and that you'll find yourself under the shelter of my wings in the shadow of my wings. And it's always a really safe place to be, not a distant. There is safety with God, not apart from God. There is safety in his presence, not in his absence. That's why, and I know there'll be people offended by this, and you'll just have to deal with it later. That's why the idea of skipping church during the pandemic was always a preposterous notion to me. If there's any time I want to worship God and be close to God and in his presence and in the word and in the spirit and in the songs of worship, it's during a pandemic. I never got it. I never understood it. The safest place you will ever be, irregardless of your circumstance, is next to God. I realize it doesn't feel that way sometimes, but it's true. This is an unsafe world. Why? Why, are it, why is it unsafe? Why is there cancer and why are there car wrecks and tornadoes and why are people dying from death every day? Do you know? Because there's another power. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So there is a singular, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-sufficient God. Yes. But there's another power. He's not God, but he is real. And he is powerful, at least for now. His name is Satan. And you don't have to guess. Jesus told us that his purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. And I proclaim to you a truth today. There is no safety in him. It's an unsafe relationship. It's an unsafe person to hang out with. He is the adversary of God. There's no safety in him. There's no safety near him. And I ask you a question today. 
Are you safe? He, Satan, is a liar, and one of his lies is there is safety in him and safety in following after him. But you must conclude a spiritual truth. To follow after him is to walk away from God. You can't do both. To follow after him, you're actually moving outside of the protection of God. You're leaving the shadow, the shelter of the wings of God, which are very safe. He, Satan, has been speaking that lie since the Garden of Eden. And as God gives birth to the nation of Israel, Satan begins this lie, trying to draw a people away from God into sin, into a false safety. And God does something. He enters into a covenant relationship with Abraham. And you need, if you go study this covenant relationship, I only read just a part of this in Leviticus but this covenant relationship with God and Abraham and the blood-bought children of the Most High God was always based on safety. I'll give you safety. I'll protect you from this adversary, from this enemy, from an unsafe world. Satan is a false god. And he offers a false safety in the, in the very absence of God. And here's what some of you may not realize. Satan is a false god that offers a false safety and from God's perspective, you know what it is? Idolatry. Idolatry. I can tell you today, God hates idolatry. God hates idolatry because it's not safe. And he wants you to live a life that's safe from the adversary. And idolatry is absolutely unsafe. Idolatry is taking God's presence and moving it away and placing a substitute in his place. So I want, I want to give you this image that God offers the blood-bought children of the Most High uh, a shelter under the shadow of his wings, and that means you have a closeness to God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. All your heart, soul, mind, and strength, strength has placed you into an intimate fellowship relationship with God. You're close to him. You're with him. You abide with him in his presence, in the light, away from the darkness. But Satan comes and something happens. We, we are drawn away. Our heart is drawn away, and we leave the shelter of the shadow. And what happens when we're drawn away is something else takes that place in our life that God wanted to be. It's called idolatry. It's an idol. Something else starts to fill your heart when God was supposed to be the undivided loyalty love of your heart. It's like moving away and placing a substitute next to it. Thinking it, the substitute, will make us safe. But the real safety was shoved aside by the idolatrous relationship with Satan. So I want to do something today. I want to give you a, an example, a, an actual biblical example of an unsafe transaction with God, an unsafe one. And it's written in Leviticus from God to Israel, but I'm going to tell you, I can read it and tell you this is written to the United States of America today. 
And before I read it, I want you to understand foundationally, God has given us a command. He has given us a law. And that command and that law is, hear, O Israel, hear, O church, hear, O nations of the world, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, singular, one. Love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Now, here's your foundation. It's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. So what would be an example of idolatry? Abandoning the Shema, abandoning the one true God and taking an idol. Here we go. Leviticus 26, verse 23. This is God speaking. And if you fail to learn the lesson and continue your hostility toward me. Now, what would be hostility toward God? Idolatry. And what is idolatry? Shoving aside his laws and his commandments and allowing an idolatrous substitute, Satan, to enter our light and take a place of the heart in which God should be in possession of. And if you fail to learn a lesson and continue your hostility toward me, then I, God, I myself will be hostile towards you. Is that safe? I will personally strike you with calamity seven times over for your sins. Is that safe? I will send armies against you to carry out the curse of the covenant you have broken. Is that safe? When you run to your towns for safety, I will send a plague to destroy you there, and you will be handed over to your enemies. I will destroy your food supply so the ten women will need only one oven to bake bread for their family. They will ration your food by weight, and though you have food to eat, you will not be satisfied. In spite of all this, listen, you want an unsafe transaction? He's describing one. In spite of all this, you still refuse to listen and you still remain hostile toward me? What, what, what? Listen to what? Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Church, are, are you listening? He's the same God. This law still applies to the church. Jesus quotes this as the greatest ultimate commandment in the gospel of Mark. This is it. And if you still remain hostile, if you still remain hostile toward me, verse 28, then I will give full vent to my hostility. I myself will punish you seven times over for your sins. And then you will eat the flesh of your own sons and daughters. I will destroy your pagan shrines and knock down the places of your worship. I will destroy the things you worship. I will leave your lifeless corpses piled on top of your lifeless idols, and I will despise you. I will make your cities desolate and destroy your places of pagan worship, and I will take no pleasure in your offerings that should be a pleasing aroma to me. Will a nation that becomes hostile, hostile toward God live in safety? No. And I, and I wonder, as I read that, many of you think because that's Old Testament, it has no application today. Are you sure? 
He says, if you follow my decrees, if you obey my laws, if you will keep me in the proper position, proper place of your life, hear, O Israel, I am one. I am the only one. There is no other. There never has been. There never will be another. I alone am God. He's a jealous God. He will not share his glory with idols. He will not. Who doesn't want safety? Who doesn't want to live in a safe and secure place, in a safe and secure life? Who doesn't want that for their family, for their children, for their grandchildren? But that's not the real question, is it? The question is, where can I find real, lasting safety? This safety that I refer to today is not an illusion. It is a physical and a spiritual reality for all who will who will obey God. Do you doubt that? This safety that I'm referring to is not a denial of evil, but a recognition of evil and the power of God to overcome evil. In Psalms chapter 3, verse 5, the psalmist describes it like this. I lay down and slept and yet I woke up in safety. Why? For the Lord is watching over me when I was sleeping. You, you, wanna, you want safety? That's better than having a big dog out in the yard. You want safety that's better than having a gun cabinet? You want safety that's better than any safety? That when you lay your head down to sleep, the God who created the heavens and the earth is watching over you. And he knows you by name. And you can say, I am a blood-bought child of the Most High God. And I lay down and slept in, for the, in safety. I woke in safety for the Lord is watching over me. Verse 6, I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Why? Because I am a blood-bought child of the Most High God. Is there an enemy all around me? Yes, yes. But I'm not afraid because the Lord is watching over me. Can you say that today? Are you safe? You see, God offers his protection. God offers, offers his safety under the shelter, under the shadow of his wings. And I ask everybody today, are you safe? Are you sure? Are you confident? Listen to how God describes his protection and safety toward his people Israel. Deuteronomy 32 verse 10. He found them. Israel in a desert land in an empty howling wasteland and he surrounded them and he watched over them and he guarded them as he would guard his own eyes like an eagle that rouses her chicks and hovers over her young so he God spread his wings to take up Israel to take them up and he carried them safely on his pinions out of this wilderness wasteland into the promised land. Do you want shelter today? Do you want safety today? <clears throat> Under the shadow of his wings? Do you think there is shelter and safety anywhere else on the earth? Do you think the government can keep you safe? It's a real question. Do you think the Science can keep you safe? Do you think the medical profession can 
keep you safe? It's been a question that has surrounded the world this past year. Now listen, I'm going to make this very clear and simple. I'm not against government. God establishes government. Government is here for God's purpose to create order and laws so that the society can live in peace and harmony. And I, you know, we should, we should pray for our government officials. We should submit to their authority until they become like God. And then we can't submit because we already have a God. And I'm not against science. In fact, I'm convinced that God gives science to people. He reveals things to people. It is God that houses all the knowledge of science. He just simply reveals it to individuals as he sees fit. The same with doctors. So I'm not against government. I'm not against science. I'm not against doctors. In fact, I, I think it's great that we have all three and let me illustrate. When I was a kid growing up, I heard stories about my father's generation, my grandfather's generation. Many of them were crippled with polio. In fact, my grandfather, one of my spiritual heroes my entire life, he, he, his entire life he had a crippled arm. He couldn't use his arm. He was crippled with polio. My aunt was crippled with polio. And you know what? I was quite excited, quite happy to read and study that polio became a vaccine that cured, had a vaccine that cured it, erased polio from our society. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I'm not against vaccines or medical or science or government. I just don't think they can keep me safe. I just think there's something bigger than them. Why? Because the reality is people are dying from death every day. Do you understand? There's something bigger than COVID-19. There's something bigger than polio. There's something bigger than cancer. There's something bigger than tornadoes and bigger than car wrecks. And people are dying from it every day. And there is no government and there is no science and there is no vaccine that stops death. And people are dying from death every day. Is it safe, listen, to believe God? So let me turn it over. Is it safe to not believe God? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Is it safe to live your life with that? Well, take it the next step. So what do I do now that I acknowledge the Lord our God, the Lord is one? There's one God. There's just one. Now you have to love him. You get to love him. I shouldn't say you have to. You get to. You get to love him. He offers an invitation. Come love me. Come love me with all your heart. Love me with all your mind, all your strength, all your soul, all of that, all of it. Pull it up under the shelter of my wings and we'll enter into a relationship. And you can look at your kids and say, I'm a blood-bought child of the Most High God. Go ahead and try to top that. Is it safe to believe God? And I guess I should do this. Because see, I am absolutely positively convinced that what I hold in my hand is the only physical source of absolute truth on this planet. I'm convinced this is word, the Word of God. Is it safe for you to believe that? Is it safe for you to not believe that? Is it safe for you to obey God? Is it safe for you to not obey God? My grandfather, the same one that had a crippled arm from polio, taught me 
this chapter I'm going to read to you in his front yard. We were sitting in his front yard. He taught it from the King James Version. And he taught it to me. He memorized it. He taught it to me long before I ever knew what safety meant. And I want to read it to you today. I always, often consider it the ultimate chapter of safety. Psalms 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings his faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Now, pause for a moment. Every time I read something like this and I look at the audience, I can't help, I'm sorry, I can't help but wonder how many people actually believe this, that this is what he's offering you today. He's offering this to this, this isn't some guy in the Old Testament, one guy he offered it to. He offers this for his children, for the blood-bought children that belong to him, who find their place under the shelter of his wings, who acknowledge, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. There's safety there. By faith. Faith is what makes it safe here. And faith means you actually believe this. Do you understand? Faith means you actually believe that this is God promising, offering you a relationship, a covenant of safety in your life. Verse 5, do not be afraid of the terrors of the night nor the arrows that fly in the day. Do not dread the disease. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying all around you, these evils will not touch you. Huh? Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. Now, now something's about to happen in this text in Psalms 91. There's going to be two ifs, which means he's going to conditionalize what comes next. If, if. Now, now all of that I've just told you, this wonderful safety under the shelter of his wings, he's offering, and now there's a condition applied. Ready? Verse 9. If you make the Lord your refuge. That means now you must accept personal responsibility for your life. Welcome to being an adult. Some people ought to begin trying it. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter. Well, what do I get if I make him my refuge? What do I get if he becomes my shelter? What? No evil will conquer you. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. No plague will come near your home. You think I haven't read this this past year? Do you believe it? Because I do. For he will order his angels, not just one. Some of us need a bunch of angels. He will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. 
You will trample upon lions and cobras, and you will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. And the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. How much do you need to love him? A little bit? All your heart. All your soul, all your mind, all your strength. I'll rescue those who love me. I'll protect those who will trust in my name. And when they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble, and I will rescue and honor them, and I will reward them with a long life. And then at the end of that long life, I'll give them my salvation. Do you believe the Bible is the Word of God? Do you? It's a real question. Do you believe the Bible's the Word of God, revealing the promises of God? Do you think God's going to keep His Word to us, or do you think, well, that only applied for some guy way back a long time ago? Do you want to live in safety? Why is this an issue of faith? This is why it's called faith, because the safety that God offers doesn't always look safe. Are you with me? The safety that he offers us doesn't always look like it's a safe idea or a safe situation. That's why it's called faith. So I want to repeat verse 14 and 16. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. And I will, I will, I will, I will. All of these I wills, do you believe him? It's an issue of faith. Do I believe that he's telling the truth, that he'll keep his word, that he's trustworthy, and he's talking to me? I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. So, let's do something. What about Moses? You see, the reason it's an issue of faith is because when God initiates this relationship and he places his presence on your life, such as the Holy Spirit, he then sends you out on this mission. He's always doing something. He sends you out on this mission, and that mission might not look very safe. In fact, it might look kind of unsafe. So let me give you an example. What about Moses? What about Moses walking up to Pharaoh and telling him to release all of his free labor and then give them the, a severance package equal to the wealth of Egypt and let them go on their way? Did that look safe? What about David when he walked toward Goliath with a slingshot? Did that look safe? What about Daniel when he prayed at a time when prayer was outlawed by the government? Sound familiar? Does that look safe? What about the three Hebrew slaves who refused to bow down to the golden statue? When the government said, you can worship no one except us. Did that look safe? Did any of this change in the New Testament? Because a lot of people would hear those Old Testament stories and think, yeah, but we're under grace. We're in the New Testament, right? Right? That, that doesn't apply. Are you sure? What about Peter and John? They were told to stop preaching the name of Jesus, so they were going to get the same thing Jesus got, which is dead. And guess what they did? They just kept preaching, kept preaching, kept preaching. Does that look safe to you? And what about Stephen? What about Stephen, who stood in front of the Jewish council and told them that they had personally crucified the Savior of the world? Does that sound safe? 
and he wasn't safe. Or was it? Let's see. You see, they stoned Stephen, and some people would say, see, told you, that wasn't very safe. So let's read the story about Stephen. Acts 7, verse 54, the Jewish leaders were infuriated. Well, they, why are they mad? Because he looked them in the eye and said, you killed the Savior of the world. You did it. They were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. They shook their fist at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and he saw the glory of God. What? He saw the glory. He's what? He, I saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. You think this settled them down or made them more mad? It made them more mad. And then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, stoned Stephen. Can you imagine dying from rocks hitting him? I can't comprehend that. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with the sin. And with that, Stephen died. I'm going to ask you a question. Was that safe? you looking on the outside, looking at the story, and say, that's a bad idea. But there's something in there you need to get. Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit, which means the Holy Spirit put him right smack dab in the middle of that situation, told him to do what he did. Is that safe? Preaching the truth to people who don't want to hear the truth, who put their hands over their ears when you preach the truth. Is that safe? Did you notice where Stephen was standing while he was preaching? Did you notice where Stephen was standing when the rock started hitting him? Did you notice the where? Because this is really important. Stephen was standing next to Jesus. <laughs> He's under the shelter of his wings. The Bible is clear that he could see Jesus from where he was standing. Which means he's standing nearby Jesus. Stephen is following and obeying the call of God. He is following and obeying the Holy Spirit. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you will obey my commands, I will give you safety. But what about the stoning? Is that safe? Let me repeat verse 55, 56. I want you to see something. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven. And he saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see heaven open, and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit, and you can't get that when you're far away from those wings. It's not that Stephen had more of the Holy Spirit than those around him. It's that the Holy Spirit had more of Stephen. And there's a big difference between the two. Stephen hadn't just given some of his life to God. Anybody listening today? You think Stephen understood the Shema? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. He's given all of his, all of his, all of his that day. 
Stephen hadn't given some of his life, but all of it. Is that safe? Because that's where we're going today. That's, that's it. Is it safe to follow a God who would have you preach to somebody that might kill you with rocks? Is that safe? Not like a bad idea. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you a question, each one of you, whether you're watching online or you're here in person, is your heart divided today? Can you really serve two masters? Do you understand what idolatry is? It's clever. Most people in idolatry don't know they're in idolatry. Where do you want to be standing on the last day? And what do you want to be looking at when you, what do you want to see on the last day when you breathe your last breath? Verse 56, one more time. And he told them, look, I see heaven open. That's what I want to see. I just soon it didn't happen with rocks hitting me in the top of the head. But I hope on the last day I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. I had a great privilege of hearing Dr. Kent Bradley. Some of you will recognize the name. I had the great privilege of hearing Dr. Kent Bradley speak at an Operation Christmas Child conference in Dallas, Texas back in 2015. Dr. Brantley is the first American to contract Ebola, Ebola, and you might remember the TV coverage when they flew him into Atlanta, Georgia, because the entire nation, America, was in a panic, being critical that Ebola had broke out in uh, Liberia, West Africa, but it had not been found anywhere in the United States. And now this American citizen, they have flown him on a plane and they're bringing him to the heartland, Atlanta, Georgia, and you're going to kill us all. That's what you were hearing on the news. On July 26, 2014, Dr. Brantley had been infected with Ebola while working with Samaritan's Purse, that's Franklin Graham's organization, in Liberia, West Africa. When I was at the conference, he was the speaker in 2015, just a year later. He told us that he had received, this is important, he told us that he had received the call of God through the Holy Spirit to become a medical missionary in Africa. Is that safe? Let me take it a step further. He told us specifically that in that decision-making process to accept the Holy Spirit's call to be a medical missionary in West Africa, primitive area of the world, somebody openly asked him about the logic of taking his wife and small children with him to West Africa to work in that remote hospital asking him, is that safe? Is it wise, Dr. Brantley, for you to take your wife and children to West Africa? He thought for a moment and he answered the question so profoundly that I wrote it down. Here's what he said. It's probably much safer than leaving them in the United States where they will more than likely be totally consumed by materialism. I almost fell out of my chair. That sentence hit me to the depths of my soul, and it still does today. The safest place is not always the safest place. In fact, sometimes the safest place might be your most dangerous place. 
Do you know that materialism is greed and greed is actually idolatry? Do you know greed is actually idolatry? It is a divided heart. You can't do the Shema and you can't do greed in the same person. doesn't work. Why? Because of all the heart, all the soul, all the mind, all the strength is an undivided, 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 undivided. Is materialism safe? Is materialism the religion of America today? Yes. Is materialism safe? Are you sure you want the answer? Is materialism, is it safer than Ebola? Is it safer than COVID-19? Is it, what's it safer than? In Colossians 3, verse 5, I read to you today the Word of God. Listen carefully. Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. Have nothing to do with impurity. Have nothing to do with lust or have nothing to do with evil desires that lurk inside every one of us. And don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. Worshiping the things of this world. And because of these sins, listen, church, listen. Nobody's going to be able to say, I don't know. And because of these sins, what sins? I want to tell you again. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. All those things that are lurking inside every one of us that has skin. They're all in here. Put them to death. Why? Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Do you believe that? If you believe that, you know what? You'd put them to death. You'd flee from them. You would. You would. I'm going to tell you, because of the, these sins, the anger of God is coming. That doesn't sound safe. The scripture I read to you when we opened today is God to his people saying, follow my decrees, obey my laws. I will give you safety. Because of these sins, which all wrapped up inside of idolatry and rebellion against God, it's not safe. Because of these sins, the wrath and judgment of God's coming. Uh, only if you believed him. You see, the call of Jesus to come follow me does not always look safe. You know, getting rid of the things that bring pleasure to the flesh do not always look safe. Do you know that? So let's answer that question in reverse. Is it, not, is it safe to not follow Jesus? Sometimes following Jesus doesn't sound very safe. But is it safe to not follow Jesus? To try to find safety somewhere else? Dr. Brantley in that same conference became the, he told us he became the first person in the world to receive the experimental drug ZMAP and the first person in the world to be treated for Ebola inside the United States. Since his remarkable recovery, doctors have taken his blood, actually his plasma, and given it to others, including one of his coworkers to help cure them from Ebola as well. Was that safe? The world would say no. Dr. Brantley said yes. 
Since his recovery, Dr. Brantley has told thousands and hundreds of thousands of people about what it is like to live your life under the shelter of God's wings. You think God had a plan? He has used this platform and prominence to share the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ with many people in the world. He tells everyone, listen, he tells everyone that his healing was from God, not from government, not from science, and not from doctors. He gives them their proper, proper credit, but he acknowledges his healing is from God. He and his wife wrote a book together where they shared the gospel of Christ with perhaps millions of people around the world. And I ask you a question today. What if he had not gone to Liberia? Because that's not safe. What if he had stayed home? Would that be safe? When the Holy Spirit, when God, the one you say you believe to be one, tells you to do something and you don't do it because it doesn't look safe. Is that safe? What if he had thought it was unsafe to follow and obey the Holy Spirit? What if you thought it was unsafe to follow the Holy Spirit? Some of you would immediately answer, but what if Dr. Brantley had died from Ebola? And my answer, if I had time to think about it, would be, go ask Stephen. Go ask Stephen. In fact, I could give you a list of people to ask. Go ask Paul. They beheaded him in Rome. Was that safe? Go ask Peter. They say that he was crucified upside down. Is that safe? Uh, let me give you a more modern example. Jim Elliot. He was speared to death by the very people he was trying to save. Was that safe? So I look at you. Are you safe today? Everybody dies. People are dying from death every day. Is it safe? Ultimately, this entire session is based upon this question. Everybody's going to die. Is dying safe? Can dying be made safe? Can the government fix the issue of people dying from death every day? Can medicine, doctors, science fix the issue of people are dying from death every day? In Leviticus 25, 18, our base scripture for today, God to his people say, follow my decrees and be careful to obey my laws. Why? Why? You can live in safety in the land. And then the land will yield its fruit and you'll eat your fill. You'll live in safety, safety, safety. Follow, obey, follow, obey. What decrees? Follow my decrees. What? Laws. What laws? They asked Jesus a question in the New Testament of all the commandments of God. What's the greatest? He quoted the Shema. He quoted the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Is that you? Are you safe today? Does this Leviticus scripture apply to us, the church today? Let's ask Jesus. 
Matthew 5, 18. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you think the Shema, or if you think that Leviticus scripture where he says, follow my decrees, obey my laws, I'll give you safety. If you think that doesn't apply, then you have already rejected the word of God and the promises of God attached to it. And what about those who followed Jesus and died? What about Peter? What about Paul? Many have died in the church age. It's undeniable. Everybody dies. Is it safe to die? Can the government fix death? Can science fix death? Can anybody fix death? Well, I'm glad you asked because here we go. Of all the places on the earth, I guess he could have done it. He did it in a graveyard. And ultimately, there's one question that reveals the safety under the shadow of the wings. In a graveyard with Lazarus laying four day dead, Jesus says these words, John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and I am the life. And whoever believes in me will never, will live even if he dies. Now, remember, Lazarus is four-day dead over here. He'll live even if he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me, what, church, will never die. Do you believe this? He says four words. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? See, I'm convinced that our eternity is based upon this question, do you believe that he's the resurrection and the life? And whoever believes in him, puts their faith and trust in him, will live. Even if you're dead and buried, Peter, John, and whoever lives and believes in him, you'll never, never, never really die. This is where safety starts. Well, do you? Do you believe Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world to save us from what? You'll never die. And one more time, I look at the audience and I wonder how many of you actually believe that. You'll never die because you're the blood-bought children of the Most High God. This is the ultimate safe. You'll never die. But you would have to believe that to receive that. Are you with me? You will have to believe that to receive that. And if you don't believe that, you don't receive that. It's called faith. The book of Hebrews says faith is being sure. Are you sure you don't die? It says you're certain. Are you certain you're not going to die? And you understand how crazy it is when we look at the outside world, the unbelievers, and say, I'm never going to die. <laughs> they just look at you and think you're a fool. They just think you're a fool. You know what? The Bible says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, it is the power of God. So are you safe? Every believer receives the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit always comes in power and comes in purpose and I'm going to ask you a question, a personal question. Are you right now living in the power and purpose of the Holy Spirit? Is that safe? It is safe where, is it safe where you're living right now? 
Are you safe? In the relationship you are with God right now, are you safe? There's only one safe place, and I'm going to tell you where it is. It is under the shelter and the shadow of his wings, right next to Jesus, irregardless of what comes. Sickness, disease, rock throwing, humiliation, rejection, it won't matter. If you're standing next to him, you're in the right spot because he is the resurrection. I remember years ago, just coming to this simple conclusion. So many people ask me, how do I know God's will for my life? And here's my simple, simple answer. It is every day, wake up and make sure you're standing next to him. If you're standing next to him, you'll never be in the wrong place. And you'll never be unsafe. Just stand next to him. Walk with him. As I read this final verse today, I'm going to ask you this. Can you find me? Somebody try to one-up this. Can you find me a safer place than this? 1 Thessalonians 5.10. Christ died for us, so whether we're dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. Go ahead. Try to find a better one than that one. Whether I'm dead or whether I'm alive when he comes back, I'm going to live with him forever. The world and this truth-canceling culture would tell you it's not safe to follow Jesus these days. This world says that church is coming together to worship during a pandemic is unsafe. In fact, during the height of this, back in November, somebody accused the church, even this church, you're going to become a super spreader, to which I said, I hope we are a super spreader of the gospel, the breath of life, because we have the only cure to death. And death is bigger than COVID-19. And the consequences of death are larger than any human mind can comprehend in this room today. Saying his name will get you in trouble these days. You go into certain circles and say Jesus' name and you'll get in trouble. Is that safe? I'm going to flip it upside down. Is it safe for you to deny his name? Is it safe for you to be embarrassed about his name? Is it safe for you to withhold his name when his name is life itself? Is that safe? The world would tell you it's not safe for you to deny yourself and follow a 2,000-year-old storybook. But I'm going to ask you, is it safe for you to reject this 2,000-year-old storybook? It's beginning to look unsafe to stand on the Word of God today. I've been talking about it for over a year now. It's starting to look like that if we stand on this and hold our ground on this as physical, spiritual, absolute truth, it's going to become more and more unsafe around here. But is it safe to reject this and deny this and follow the world instead of the word. The world would tell you it's not safe for you to take up a cross and follow a 2,000-year-old man named Jesus. The world would tell you it's not safe to bow down and call Jesus master and then follow this master wherever he might tell you to go. Is it safe to follow Jesus? Is it safe to not follow Jesus? Are you safe? Here's my last story. 19 years ago this week, 19 years ago this week, 
I think it's Friday. I had already been at Nineveh for two years, but I was bivocational, which meant I was, um, I was working a public job over in Harrodsburg, and I was just preaching here on the weekends for two years. I had three kids under the age of 16. My wife was a stay-at-home mom. We had one income. It was 19 years ago this week that I walked out of that comfortable job, three kids under 16, and I went full-time here at Nineveh Christian Church. Was that safe? It was in the final days of God transforming my heart, preparing me, giving me enough courage, and I'll admit I was terrified at the time. He was giving me the courage to quit my job and go into the ministry. And I remember specifically, I used to go at lunchtime. I would leave the plant and I would go across the road. There was a park over there. I'd sit under a tree and I'd get the Bible out. On this particular day, I knew the Holy Spirit had spoken. You have to leave. You have to resign and go full-time at the church. There was nothing about that decision that looked safe. In fact, it looked terrifying to me. You see, that preaching here on the weekends for those two years was a piece of cake because I had that big income over there. I had that safety. Everything was okay. I could do both until the Holy Spirit says, you have to do one. And in that park that day, I read this verse. I'll never forget it. It's actually 14 through 16, Psalm 91. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him and I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. And I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and I will honor him. And with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. I can tell you 19 years later, he is faithful. 19 years later, he is able to do immeasurably more than I have ever asked or ever imagined. I can tell you it did not look safe for me to quit my job 19 years ago and go to a very, very small church in Anderson County. That first Sunday we were here, there were 27 people. But I could not get those three verses out of my mind. Tell me the word of God is not sharper than a two-edged sword. These are the promises of God, and I had to decide if I believed him or not. This is the essence of faith. So today I ask you, do you believe him? Is it safe to believe him? Is it safe to put your faith, your trust, your future, your hopes, your dreams under the shelter of his wings based on the word of God? Is it safe? I've concluded then and I've concluded now that the only safe place in this world is standing right next to Jesus. So wherever he goes, that's where I need to go. Whatever he says, that's what I need to do. Are you safe? Do you believe this final psalm I want to read to you is a word of God for you today? Because I believe it is a word of God for every one of us today. Psalms chapter 121. I look up to the mountain. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers, never sleeps. 
The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day or the moon by night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come, both as you come and go, both now and how long? Forever. Safety in now and safety in later. Today, tomorrow, forever, safety is ours. But we must put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ to find that safety. The government can't give you a resurrection into eternal life. Science and doctors can't vaccinate you out of death. And I tell you today, and you know it is true, people are dying from death every day, and there is only one that can cure death. He alone is our safety. I'll ask Chad to come out for the invitation. Ultimately, I have watched in... I have watched much of the church live the past year in fear. In fear. What are you afraid of? You see, if we believe that he is indeed who he says he is, that doesn't mean we live reckless lives or careless lives. That's not what I'm saying. But fear is the enemy of faith. Fear is the enemy of faith. It keeps us from doing, being, becoming, walking, doing what he's called us to do as a church. So today, we need to lay that fear down. We're not slaves to fear. We're not, because we, we know that we've overcome the grave itself and that our Father watches over us and he shelters us and he's given us safety. But it is by faith. It is by faith that you believe this is yours. And today we offer an invitation. Maybe the Holy Spirit today is working in your life. Maybe he's convicting you of something today you need to deal with today. So we offer you this time. And if the Holy Spirit's convicting you today, don't walk out that door until you've dealt with it. Let's stand together.